pray with me? Gracious and holy God, we enter into your presence. May the meditations of our hearts and minds be acceptable in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it's finally here. One of my favorite times of year. It's Christmas. You just have to look around this room and see all the wonderful, beautiful decorations and all that this started on Monday night. There was people crawling everywhere, getting banners up and setting up this immensely tall Christmas tree and hanging uh, the uh, garland around the balcony on Monday and then it was lovingly finished up on Saturday as the last Christmas was put on the tree by Angela Smith yesterday. She does that because she told me her grandparents, her great-grandparents before her have taken love to decorate the sanctuary and so she continues that tradition. We lit the Advent wreath which is a tradition in many churches and this morning we celebrated the traditional reading that the pancreas uh, uh, led us in. The Christmas lights begin to shine in the neighborhoods. I know that we got the lights up on our house this weekend, and, and then we took a drive around, and we began to see the lights showing up on the ridges of the roof lines in the neighborhoods, all to remind us of all the colors of season and, and, the, and, and anticipate the joys and the fun and the children's excitement in this season called Christmas. I can remember in my own life how we, we used to pile in the family car with blankets and, and hot thermoses of cocoa and Christmas songs on the radio and we'd drive through the neighborhoods and we'd see the houses lit up in anticipation for this wonderful, amazing day called Christmas. Perhaps you were like us, you, you have decorated your Christmas tree early. We did that with grandchildren this week. We put ornaments on the tree, and one of the things that we do is we put the ornaments on the tree is we tell the story of the ornament. My daughters each got a new ornament every year. We put their name and the year on them, and then they would place them wherever they wanted on the tree. And then as they grew and became of age and moved out and got their own trees, we gathered those beautiful ornaments that were in their names and they became the ornaments of their own tree so that they could start their own traditions. This is a season of tradition, a season to remember. In the church, we call it Advent, and it marks the, the preparing for the birth of Christ. And in this Advent season, we remember who that child was born so long ago. We remember why he came and the hope and the promise that he came to fulfill. We remember who it is that we are and who it is that Jesus is calling us to be and what we are to do in the world during this time. Advent, the word Advent, literally means coming. And this stories of Advent will help us prepare for the coming of the Christ child. But it is also hope that the coming of Christ will come again soon in our world and will bring to uh, fruition the fullness of time and God's kingdom here on this earth. This Christian life that we 
that we uh, live is often characterized between a time of preparation and a time of remembering. We stand between what is and what is yet to come. And there is no one who understands that time in between better than Mary, Jesus' mother. And so this Advent season, Ricky and I decided to embark on a sermon series that would look at Christmas from Mary's perspective. We decided to reflect on Adam Hamilton's book called Not a Silent Night. The Christmas pageants many of us have watched as we grew up often um, display or portray Mary in, as a serene, uh, young beautiful woman, filled with joy, a holy teenager. And perhaps she was all of that, but, you know, I have to think that Mary's life was also, among the many blessings, was intermingled with pain and sorrow and, and adversity. Her dreams were often shattered or uh, her hopes were delayed, just as you and I experience that in our own lives. So telling the story from Mary's perspective is not a new one. In fact, it's been told many times before as we reflect with Mary as she prepares for the coming of the Christ child. But what is going to be different about this year is that we're going to do it through the lens of Easter. From the perspective of Mary's last days as she looks back on her life as Jesus' mother. Without Christmas... There would be no Easter. But without Easter, Christmas would have no purpose. And so maybe with this new perspective, starting with the end in mind, we can find something remarkable, fresh, and new about this ancient story. We're going to start at the end of Mary's life. And I have to think and wonder what insight she would share about the meaning of Christmas so long ago if she were to share that with us. So we don't know much about Mary after Jesus' life. The last time that the biblical narrative even mentions her is at Jesus' ascension. Luke is the one that gives us that story. So we're going to start with that story, and then we're going to go from there. It is in the book of Acts. It's in the first chapter. I'm going to pick up with verse 8 and go through 14. Listen now to what God has to say to us through the um, evangelist Luke. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, he meaning Jesus, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood beside them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up towards heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olive, 
where it is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath journey day away. When they had entered the city, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot and Judas, son of James. All these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. May God lend blessing to this reading of Holy Scripture. So we learn that after the resurrection, Mary kind of hangs out with the disciples. She prays. And and I imagine that as they gather, she might remind them of things that he has said to them. She might even correct them sometimes when they got things wrong. She, like all of them, was waiting for this Holy Spirit that Jesus had said would come upon them. Tradition has it. The Bible doesn't tell us, but tradition through the orthodox um, eyes tell us that perhaps Mary stayed with the disciple John. And disciple John settled out somewhere in the region of Antioch. And she probably lived an additional 15 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. That would have made her approximately 60 years old. She was a remarkable woman, and in these 60 years, Mary had done some pretty amazing things as I think about who she is. She had smuggled God into this world through a very human birth. She had nurtured him into adulthood, and then she was faithful enough to set him free to follow his calling in the world. And that meant that she would also watch him suffer, suffer terribly in pain, both physical and spiritual. And when I imagine that she almost thought that her breath would no longer sustain her as she stood outside that empty tomb wondering where her beloved son had gone. She also was the one who got to witness the very victory of life over death as she saw her son again alive. So there's no pain any worse than losing a child. And this pain she carried with her throughout her life. But Adam Hamilton writes that perhaps it is the resurrection. The resurrection, seeing him again, changed the way she experienced that grief. In the midst of that very human emotion, that very human feeling of loss, it gave her hope. This hope gave her strength to do what Jesus was calling her to do, in the face of grief. It gave her the strength to do what all of us are called to do in the face of grief and adversity. That is to live again, to witness boldly, and to love deeply when we feel not like loving. I have, uh, Jesus says to the disciples when he's standing there, he says, I have work for you to do. You need to get busy. You need to go out and be my witness in Jerusalem and then Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, he says. 
For you and me, that translates to Decatur, to Wise County, and to North Texas, and and just beyond. This work that we are called to do is one of Jesus' last commands for us. In the last 15 years of Mary's life, she and the disciples did the work of the Holy Spirit as it came upon them. They launched the church. They prayed together. They ate together. They baptized whole families together. They shared in holy communion together. They worshiped together. They lifted each other up in times of uncertainty and adversity. They fed the hungry. They took care of the sick. They gave cool water to the thirsty. And they clothed the poor. According to one tradition, When Mary was about to die, she called the apostles around her bedside. And as they came, she shared with them. I imagine that what she shared was all those things that she treasured in her heart that the gospel narratives tell us about. Though the first century Jewish people did not celebrate birthdays, I wonder if Mary celebrated that first Christmas morning every year as as she reflected. I imagine that what she shared with the disciples was to prepare them for her death by sharing with them her hope in resurrection because she once saw Jesus as they did. I imagine that she helped them remember their commission to be the light of Christ in the world. If Mary could share her treasures with us today, I wonder what she might say. I think she'd ask us to remember who we are, to reflect on the lights on the Christmas tree and know that that is a representation of the light of Christ in the world, to put that light in our own lives and to carry it with us so that others can see Jesus through us, especially during this chaotic season of secular indulgence. And then I guess she would tell us that we need to prepare for the Christ child by being Christ in the world, by doing what the early disciples did, by helping others along the journey, by making the kingdom a reality on earth through the love that we spread in the messiness of everyday lives. Sometimes this is kind of hard for us. We don't know exactly what that looks like and how to be that that hope, hold out that hope for people who are struggling. Sometimes we feel inadequate, and sometimes, well, we just want to leave it to someone else to deal with. So I thought, how is it that you and I can continue to be the light of Christ in this community this Advent season. And and I realize that all of us know someone who grieves. All of us know someone who doesn't really feel the joy of the season like we anticipate it to be. Perhaps it's you. Perhaps you could call that friend of yours that grieves and, and pick them up on Thursday evening and take them to a special worship service that acknowledges that not everything is happiness during the holiday seasons. Perhaps you can bring them and sit next to them at the Blue Christmas worship service at 6 p.m. on Thursday over in Asbury Hall. 
Perhaps you can put your hands to work and tangibly share in the, in the sweetness of Christmas with all of those busy workers in our community by decorating Christmas cookies. We're doing that with our children from 2 to 4 on Saturday the 14th, and then we're going to take them and share them with first responders and, and uh, civil servants in our community. Perhaps you have a neighbor who has been telling you, oh, I've been meaning to get back to church, but they never really seem to do it. Perhaps this is a time when you can say, hey, listen, I'm going to go downtown on the 22nd at 7 p.m. And, and, and experience a candlelight Christmas Eve service. Can I take you with me? Perhaps you can stand next to them and literally watch the light of Christ pierce the darkness as you pass that light from your candle to the light of your neighbor. Yep, it's birthday season. It's time to prepare for Jesus, but it's also time to say happy birthday to the work of the people through Pecan Mission. And we're telling that story of remembering today, later this afternoon. We'll be remembering all the things that 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 worshiping community has done as they've been highlighted in our video. But we're also remembering the faith of the people that came before us. The faith of this very congregation in 2008 who said, yes, We need to continue to be that presence in downtown Decatur. We need to be that light of Christ and to share that witness of Jesus. We need to continue to occupy this location with one mission in mind. And today is the day to prepare for what Jesus is asking us to do from this very corner in Decatur, Texas. We have plenty of work to do. Let's get started, friends. Amen.